Welcome to the Iowa Idea Podcast. Join host Matt Arnold for in-depth conversations with artists, designers, entrepreneurs, and civic leaders as he explores how they approach their craft and represent a modern version of the Iowa Idea. This podcast tells the stories of Iowa natives, transplants, and friends who demonstrate the Iowa Idea in the 21st century. Actively choose where you live. In this episode of the Iowa Idea podcast, I sit down with Tim Carty. Tim has lived in Iowa City since 2009 and has lived in Iowa most of his life. He's a passionate advocate for local development and entrepreneurship. Tim has served as an ambassador for the Iowa City Area Business Partnership and has recently co-founded a new talent attraction agency called Roll Call. Roll Call works with cities and economic developers to strengthen and build successful talent acquisition strategies. We explore Tim's journey from New Jersey to Iowa and the roles, managers, and mentors that have helped him along the way. We dig into what it's like to launch two businesses in the time of pandemic, as well as why it's important to be intentional about improving the communities where you want to live. It was an honor having Tim join me on the show. I thank him for sharing his time and insights. I hope you enjoy the episode. All right, Tim, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. I want to wish you a happy new year. Uh, for our guests, if you don't mind, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, so I'm a, let's see, I'm a New Jersey native. Uh, grew up in Middletown, New Jersey, uh, which is about three miles in from uh, the Jersey Shore. Uh, but um, I always tell people that I was born in Iowa. Uh, I just happened to live in New Jersey. Uh, we moved to, my family moved to, relocated to Dubuque, Iowa, uh, when I was in eighth grade. Um, so I just celebrated my 22nd Iowa-versary. All right. Uh, we, yeah. We moved to Dubuque uh, for my dad's job. He works, um, he's still working, works for Kendall Hunt Publishing Company in Dubuque. Um, and so we relocated here. That's where they're headquartered. Um and so grew up in, and then went to high school in Dubuque and then I went to Loris College, um, also in Dubuque. And I moved to Iowa City um, after a year in Des Moines following college. Uh, my wife went to school here um, and she had a teaching job at Southeast Junior High here in Iowa City. And I moved here when we got engaged and I've been here now for almost 12 years. Right on. And uh, just going back uh, a little bit, what do you remember being some of the big, big shifts or transitions from uh, New Jersey to Dubuque? Yeah, I mean, everybody's like, man, culture shock. Oh, wow, what a change. And it was, but like, I was 14 years old. So, you know, you just kind of fall in line, right? Um, and I was really fortunate, actually. So I had half a year of eighth grade left. Um, we moved... Um, right after the new year um and so i just started up school whenever it was kind of coming back whoever was kind of getting ready for high school anyway you know um, my poor sister who was a sixth grader at the time she we were at a middle school in new jersey and when we came back here she had to go back to an elementary school so she that was a it was a little it was definitely tougher for her um but 
I, you know, it's, this is, uh, the, the, the pace of, of life here is, um, is much more suited for me, I think. And that's why I say I was born in Iowa. Um, I'm a pretty easygoing guy and, um, you know, the rat race of, of the big city, I don't think would really, would really be my style, but, you know, really, I mean, we grew up in a pretty Midwestern, like values based town, you know, um, a lot of people worked in the city, but um, New York City. Yeah. But it really wasn't like as far as like day-to-day life, it really wasn't that different, except we couldn't go to the beach. We got more snow. <laughs> so uh, do you mind telling us what you're up to these days? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's, I'm, it's pretty exciting. Um, I'm doing something that I actively chose to like not pursue earlier in my life. Uh, a friend and I... Um, started a new business called Roll Call. And we help uh, cities, states, and regions um, really supercharge their uh, talent attraction marketing program. So cities across the country um, are spending tons and tons of money on trying to attract talent to their place. Um, Some are doing a really, really good job. Some are doing a a so-so job. but no matter like, and when I say like they're doing a good job, like sometimes things look really, really nice, right? But it's really hard to prove the efficacy of marketing, you know, and that's a problem that people struggled with, whatever the medium for a long, long time. I mean, can't tell you how many times I've heard the old adage, especially having a career in marketing for a while. Um, you know, we, we know that 50% of our marketing works. We just don't know which 50%, which is like right. a very annoying thing to hear. Um, but the work that we do helps, um, through some software programs that, that we, um, it's not our proprietary software, but we've uh, sort of figured out how to use it for this, for, for like in economic development. Um, and yeah, so that's what we're doing. That's, that's great. And you've been in the, both the economic development and talent acquisition space for mm-hmm. some time. Uh, what was your, your insight to kind of create this new venture for yourself? Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, I've, I've been working in talent attraction for a while, um, for a couple of years, and had the really fortunate um, opportunity to to take over um, a talent attraction strategy that was it was like a it was an infant strategy. I mean, it was very new. Like you know, we were doing um, you know just new work for the region in, in a new, sort of a more streamlined way, right? The work had always been kind of done, but I just had this really opportunity really cool opportunity to start from scratch and build upon the work that some of my predecessors had done. Um, but really kind of have carte blanche at creating these programs, uh, which was really cool. So we could, we tried some things, some stuff didn't work, some stuff really worked really well, but we figured out that um, when we were using the region as the, as the, um, yet instead of instead of talking about the job is the reason you should move here we talked about why you should choose living in iowa city and cedar rapids and let us help you find a job that was when things sort of flipped so we kind of flipped like traditional recruiting on its head you know instead of saying like hey we've got this really cool opportunity you have to move to iowa city or you have to move to cedar rapids to do it we said we have this amazing place to live with these incredible amenities we also have amazing jobs and we're going to connect you to them. 
And when we figured out that that was what people were interested in, because there's Iowans all over the world, you know, it's something that we sort of brag about, right? But really, we should be trying to keep as much great talent here as we can. Um, And that was that was what we did. And um, when we figured out that we could use software to prove that when people were engaging with our marketing, we could just, you know, have them dump right into our database. Um, and then we could connect with them through the technology, um, track every conversation we had with them. Um, and everything, it just turned into like this really, really powerful resource for us to use. And so we're going to, as, as we grow roll call, we're using that same technology. Um, and we can partner with any program that's already out there to say, hey, you know, there's people engaging with your marketing, but th- what's the next step? You know, how are you having that conversation? Like, oh, cool. You're interested in moving to Chattanooga. You're interested in moving to Green Bay. Why? How can I help? Let's make that happen because we want you here as one of those cities, right? Um, so let's let's start a conversation just like anybody wants to, you know, have that one-on-one sort of concierge style treatment. That's what we do. Great. Thank you. And uh, just thinking about... Uh, Iowa generally, or maybe the Cedar Rapids, Iowa city corridor. Um, mm. What would you, if you were, if you were talking about the amenities that you love about the area, what would you tell people that, that makes this space so special? Yeah. So there were, there was sort of like two things that um, I would always talk about to make sure that I talk about, because every place, not every place, but Lots of places have, have cool stuff, right? right? Like outside of the major metropolitan areas, you know, there's really good restaurants in lots of cities. There's, you know, arts and culture is, you know, you'll see an arts and culture section on every single chamber website in the country, you know, whether they have it or not. So I think the difference when you live here is that the pace of life, and I mentioned that before, is such that you can access those amenities anytime you want. You can, you know, you're not, you don't have a 45 minute or an hour commute home from work where you get home and you're just so fried from, you know, dealing with gridlock, even though you're driving three miles, you, you sat in the car for an hour. You don't have that here. You can get home and decide what you want to do instead of having to plan two weeks out to go downtown to go to a show or a ball game or whatever. You don't have that here. You get home, you can decide with your family. Hey, you know what? Well, when things open back up, yeah, um, we want to go grab a bite or we want to go see a show, go to the movies, do whatever. You can you can make those decisions on the fly here. So we have all the amazing amenities you could ever want and you can get to them anytime you want to get to them. Second thing that I always talked about, and I think this is becoming more and more and more important to people, especially like as the gener- new generations are coming into the workplace and, you know, 10,000 baby boomers retire every day in the country, is that if there's someplace you want to get to, whether it's serving on a board or volunteering or growing your career, whatever, the, 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 distance between where you are and where you want to go is much smaller here, right? We've got great careers. We've got great, you know, charitable organizations you can donate your time or money to. And if you want to become like really ingrained in the community, the distance separation is so small here. You make a phone call or send an email, you're one or two, you know, connections away from getting to the person you need to talk to. You can't do that in Chicago. You can't do that in Minneapolis or New York or Denver. You can really 
like contribute and make a difference here and you can do it quickly. Um, because people want your help, first of all. Um, and there's just so many people here that really care about whatever their cause is. Um, it's just, it's different. And people want to live in a place that where they can give back, you know, really become part of the community. Um, and that's not just my opinion. I mean, that's, you read any of the, you know, the, the research and surveys and stuff that are out there from some of the economic development forecasters and stuff. And that's really important to people, you know, especially millennials and Gen Z. They want to be in a place that, that they value um, the difference that they can make. Thank you. I uh, want to talk to an, yeah, another another venture too. You uh, uh, during pandemic, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you're part of a group that launched a new restaurant. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, we did. Um, so we yeah. So there's there are uh, seven of us plus our um, our spouses um, for most of us, and uh, we opened a restaurant in North Liberty called Table. Um, and the idea, you know, when we started working on this before the term coronavirus was anything that we'd ever heard of, um, we wanted to be a place where, you know, community could gather, families could gather, you'd have a great meal, but really like have a great experience just being with people that you care about, you know, and we wanted the experience um, to send you out feeling better than you felt when you came in um with great food great service great atmosphere and great community those are kind of the like the core values of what we're trying to grow and so we started working on this like i said um in the fall of 2019 so like you know pre-covid and um we were really close to launch like last late last winter and then you know, things changed and we got to a point where we were like, you know what, if we don't launch now, we're just not going to do it. So we went for it. So we opened last summer um, and it was so much fun. I mean, we, we, we transformed the space that had already, that already existed. Uh, we brought on a team and we created this, you know, really, really, um, just this really cool environment, you know, and we're really proud of it. Um, and just, you know, with numbers, you know, it started to grow here. It just became more and more evident. It wasn't, it just wasn't, not only was it like fiscally irresponsible and we were, you know, it was difficult to get people into a restaurant, obviously, yeah. you know, and the food that we created, um, it wasn't really, it just wasn't really designed to take home. You know, it was, it was like feel good stuff that you should enjoy hot from the kitchen. Right. It, didn't, it right. doesn't do well at a car for 20, 25, 35 minutes. Yeah. You know? And so, and it just, and, but even more than that, it just, we felt like it wasn't safe for us to be open um, for our staff, for ourselves, for our families, but, and, and really for our community, it just, everything was so uncertain, you know? And so uh late last year we decided to just take a pause um evaluate where we're at evaluate where we want to get to um and we've got amazing community partners that are just kind of giving us this opportunity and when i say i mean like our landlord and our bank right <laughs> because yeah. we have people yeah. we've got to answer to um but uh you know they're they believe in what we're doing 
Um, and so they're going to, you know, give us every opportunity to, to succeed through this thing. Right now, what we worry about is uh, we didn't open in time to get the first round of the payroll protection plan um, funded. Right. Yeah. And we're hoping that this second round, and this might be a great platform for me to talk about it. Uh, one of the stipulations in the in this new round of funding, from what we understand so far, is that you had to already have access to the first round of funding. And so companies like us, and we're not the only ones that, that right. opened during the pandemic that didn't have access to the first round of funding, we're not even eligible for the second yeah. round. Um, and so we're going to work with some of our local legislators to see if there's there's any way we can you know, either create some sort of a an, an amendment to that or, or yeah. whatever, but I don't even know where. Um, so that's one of the things we're worried about because I think people would enjoy our place um, and not just the food. I mean, it's a beautiful spot. It's, um, we got rid of a bunch of the TVs and still, there's still TVs around the bar, but like in the dining area, there's no, you can't just sit there and watch, you know, the fourth episode of Sports Center you've seen today. <laughs> it's right. a place where, you, you know, we want you to, you know, interact with people you care about. Yeah, I know for for my business too, it's uh, just some of the, I feel like, I feel like Spark just falls between the cracks of all these different programs that are, are there and not as a, a woe is me, but it is kind of frustrating because, you know, you start digging in on, okay, this sounds like a good, good thing to pursue and then get deep into the fine print and you're like, okay, wait, that's not for me or I'm not going to qualify for that. So it's, it's yeah. been interesting and I, I appreciate all that uh, people have been doing on the local and regional level uh, to help, but it is, it's frustrating too, that just kind of, all of the different nuances to where, where you have to fit to, to yeah. qualify for the programs. Yeah. And I should say like the city of North Liberty has been like, we've been, they've been really great to work with. They're letting us, you know, and anytime that we ask like, Hey, can we put a sign here? Can we, can we do things a little bit different that might be kind of like pushing the boundaries of yeah. some of the city codes and stuff They're like, you know what, go for it. Like, if you think it's going to help you give it a shot. So they've been good to work with. It's just, it's beyond anybody's control. Right on. So backing up a little bit, how did you get into the uh, the kind of the, the talent connection space and economic development space? Yeah. Um, I uh, So I was listening to Kim Casco's uh, podcast this morning, just as a refresher. Yeah. Uh, and, who, and Kim is one of my favorite people on the planet. I love her so much. She's great. Um, and anyone who hasn't listened to that, I doubt you're listening to mine and, and you haven't listened to Kim's, but you should definitely listen to Kim's podcast among others. Um, but I had sort of a similar, not, not like we had different jobs, but I bounced around a bunch early in my career um, from sales job to sales job. Um, and I just sort of was like, like I would get kind of tired of what I was selling and move on to something fun, you know, that seemed fun. Um, so my first job out of college, I was selling textbooks for McGraw-Hill. Uh, I mentioned my dad works at Kendall Hunt. So there was one time when we actually were selling uh, the same program. Like I was competing with my dad for the sale, uh, which was really fun. Uh, neither one of us won, unfortunately. Um, but so I started selling textbooks, uh, which is about as exciting as it sounds. Um, but it was like right uh, as like the e-learning stuff was really taking hold. So right. It was like 2008, 2009. Um, but I love once that, like as those digital products were starting to ramp up, I, I was really into that kind of stuff and it was really fun. But 
so I, but I decided to move on. I was getting married and I was doing a lot of traveling. I just, I didn't want to do that stuff anymore. So I started working locally, which led me to a career in media sales. Uh, so I sold TV and then I, that, but I really wanted to get back into the digital side of, of media, which I thought was really, because like Facebook advertising was like really sort of early on and it's, um, like stranglehold of yeah, yeah right. marketing. Um, and like paid search advertising through Google was like really popular. And so I got into doing that and uh, my boss, and so I worked for the press citizen and I worked for Gannett who owned, owned, uh, owns the press citizen. And my boss at the time, our sales manager is a woman named Sean Reineke, um, who was also amazing. Uh, she's selling for um, like, oh, what's the, I should know this. It's like, the locally owned radio station Cedar Rapids. Um, they do KGYM and um, like the pop radio. State. Anyway, yeah, Sean's awesome. But so as I was doing that, I, I my like the jobs that I had were never really like focused in Iowa City, right? So I was meeting more and more people here locally. But my wife is a teacher, so like the people I knew weren't really in the business community. And so I said to Sean, like, "Hey, I love this job. I love what we're doing. I love being part of this community, but I don't really feel like I'm part of it. How can I like get involved?" And Sean said, well, the Chamber of Commerce is interviewing um, for ambassadors right now. And I'm like, okay, that sounds cool. And so I applied to be an ambassador. And this was probably like 2011 or 12, maybe. Um, but I was new to new, pretty new to town. And so I started, I became an ambassador with the Chamber. Um, this is when Nancy Qualhorse was the president of the Chamber. And um, Amy Hospodarski was the, the chamber person that I worked with as an ambassador. And I was an ambassador for, I don't know, like five or six years. And it, it like that was transformational for me, just getting involved in the chamber and meeting a ton of people who just like cared about our local businesses and our local nonprofits and just all this really cool stuff. And I just got to learn so much about how... Um, like the business community of Iowa City works, which then led me to the community leadership program. So I was in the class of 2015, 2016. Um, and I know you're a yeah. CLP alum. Yep. Um, and that's where I met Kim. She was on the program committee when I was taking CLP. Um, and really like, I can't overstate how important that program was to me. Um, you, you just see so many different things that like, you know, happen, whether it's through education or through like human services or, you know, even just the way that like the city itself works, you know, and our cities, right? Like, yeah. you know, and it just changed like the way I thought about things, right? Like I really, I wanted to go from like volunteering to make a difference, like actually professionally trying to make a difference here, which sounds sort of, you know, goofy and, and cheesy but like it really changed the way I, I saw my career um and so I was selling um I was still selling digital media at the time but after CLP I was like that's it like I this is what I have to do um and so a job opened up at the chamber and you know I was like if I don't do this now when in the world am I going to do it I love the chamber I owe a ton to the chamber. Maybe this is just the, you know, the world, the, you know, telling me that like, this is what you need to do. So I applied for the job and I got it. And I worked for the chamber for a couple of years as the director of member services. 
And we did so much fun stuff. Kim and I, Kim started a little bit before me when she was president of the chamber. Um, and so I got to work firsthand with Kim and just some other amazing people, Rob Merritt and Allison Yoder. And um, it's just an incredible team. You know, we were doing really, really cool stuff for a small size chamber. Um, but in, in a really, not just a, not like a big community, but like a really invested community, right? This is a really invested and um, in lots of ways. You know, and Rebecca needs, I should mention Rebecca too, who is our director of uh, policy at the time. Um, and we were talent, taking on really, really big stuff. You know, we worked on the school bond, which is the biggest bond referendum passed in the history of the state. And, you know, um, and so we were just doing really cool, big stuff. Um, and around, well, I don't know, two years or so after I started working in the chamber, ICR was created. So the Iowa City Cedar Rapids. Um, and they were doing really cool work and a job opened up there. And as hard as it was to leave Kim, I mean, she saw this as like a, a good transition for me. Um, and she was just a, a great coach for me. Like, yeah, I think this is something needed to do. So that's how I got to, to working in talent. Um, and I, you know, there too, working between the, the Metro Economic, Sierra Rapids Metro Economic Alliance and, and ICAD. Um, it's just people who really care about what they're doing, but who they're doing it for. Yeah. Um, Thank you. A couple threads I want to pull on there. One is yeah. just from a, a CLP perspective. And again, for, for folks that might not be familiar with it, it's community leadership program where there's a cohort of roughly 25 to 30 people every year. And it's basically a school year with a full day on Friday each month dedicated to uh, a community topic, right? And so healthcare, human services, uh, education, government, arts, agriculture, et cetera. What was, do you remember, what was your favorite day? Oh, healthcare day was really cool uh, for when I took the course. Um, because the children's hospital was under construction. And so we got to spend a lot of time at the university. I got to tour um, some like mock-up rooms yeah. of the children's hospital, um, which were underground at the time, right. like where the parking lot is. It was, yeah. yeah, it was really weird. But we also got to go up and see the press, you know, the press box in the top floor of the children's hospital where the wave is. Um, so healthcare day was really, really cool. Um, you know, being from a long line of educators and being married to an educator, Education Day was really cool. Um, Liberty High was also under construction at the time, so we get to walk through like the like the the framework of Liberty High, which was 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 neat. Um, and Health and Human Services Day, I think that's sort of the go-to answer for everybody. I mean, they're all of me. Every week was yeah. Um, but I think the thing that there were a couple of things that I think were eye-opening for me for health, health and human services or health and human services day. I think it's what yep. Um, first was that there are so many organizations doing amazing work for people who really need the work. Um, we got to see shelter house. We got to see the free health clinic. Um, and, you know, it's stuff that you don't think about. You know, I'm really fortunate. Um, and uh, you just don't think about that stuff. So it was really eye-opening to see it. But the other thing was, as somebody who was, like, starting to, like, look 
at volunteer opportunities and like where do I fit in like who can I help I was shocked by the number of people who were like if you feel like this is something that you want to help with we want you to help right like there was room for me as somebody who didn't know that much about the children's museum or uh the the shelter house or united way right um i didn't know that much about those things but they were like that's okay you know all like they just need people who care you know and that was that was really eye-opening to me it was like hey this, you really can make a difference um you know time talent or treasure you don't always have to have a ton of money to donate if you have time to give and you know my good friend robin hepker uh donates a lot of times um her time and expertise as a graphic designer to these organizations so they don't have to pay for marketing you know you don't have to pay for logos because robin will donate that stuff for you um and i was like i don't have treasure i don't have a ton of talent but i have time like you can have some of my time um and that's really valuable in a lot of cases um and so that was that was really eye-opening for me and through clp yeah, no, that's great. I think too. Yeah, for me, the the kind of healthcare human services day, because uh, we when we did it, it was uh, one of the most eye opening things for me was uh, lectures on social determinants of health and just kind of the frightening thing about basically one of the biggest things that's going to dictate your long term health is your zip code, and also uh, I don't. It was revisited this year in the COVID context and just how. Uh, kind of other minority communities, it's a double whammy for them, mm-hmm. the way things are going. So it was, it was, that was enlightening. And then like you said, going, going to, you know, see uh, community, see shelter house, see these things in action, uh, the local hospice center. And what I think uh, I remember telling my wife that it was just a really heavy day, right? Cause um, realize how privileged my life is too, that, and we don't have these needs or when we do have some needs, we we already know where to go. But just also it was just heartwarming to see how many people are taking care of each other and looking after each other in the community. But I think it was kind of frightening for me thinking that in general, Iowa City is a in pretty good shape, right? From from employment, from uh, education and, and still there's so much need. So it just made me real how much need there must be everywhere. So that was powerful, but yeah, I really enjoyed CLP. Uh, so a couple of things I picked up too, when you're talking about your, your managers is, and, and uh, a similar story for me, but when managers are caring about you and can guide you, uh, I think it's great. And right when I got out of grad school, I was living in Minneapolis and I was working at a market research company. So I was uh, doing qualitative and uh, quantitative research, developing studies, you know, for clients. And, but uh, sometimes then also have to fill in, like jump on the phones to help recruit for studies. And it wasn't the most rewarding uh, uh, job for me. And I remember my man and my manager was great. And one time she handed me a phone number and she said, you should call these folks. And I, Oh, why is that? And she well, a recruiting company called me and they described the position. I don't think it's uh, a good fit for me, but I think you'd be perfect. 
And uh, so I called and that ended up, uh, yeah, I ended up working for a uh, boutique consulting company where basically we were doing what now would be called CX, but early CX work and digital work where um, like through that, I got to really uh, use skills that one, sometimes I didn't know I had, but was able to, and it changed the arc of my career, but it's just, it's interesting how just a caring manager can make a big difference on somebody's. Mm-hmm. And just somebody who like sees stuff in you that you may not see in yourself. Right. You know, and I owe a lot of that to Kim. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. You know, giving you the freedom to like try and fail and yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. So uh, along your your journey, like when you do, one of the things I try to dig in with folks too is if you ever feel stuck and like what, how do you get yourself unstuck? Yeah, gosh, that seems to happen more and more when I'm working in, in an office or, or yeah. in my basement instead of in an office. Um, I'm the type of person who always has like gotten energy from being around other people. So when, you know, when my work went virtual, um, and again, very privileged to have a role that was able to, you know, afford me the opportunity to do that. Um, and even though the work changed, like, I was like, how in the world am I going to just be all by myself all the time? Right. Like, right. That was, that's, you know, that's a, a, was a frightening thing for me. It's gone actually a little bit better than I expected. I've had to find like some like tricks and routine and stuff that have kind of helped me like get energized instead of, you know, turning the TV that's eight feet away from me. Um, but for me, it's like, I just draw energy and inspiration from talking to people. So like, it's probably super annoying for other people and I should probably be a little bit more considerate of that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just being around people and um, which has been tricky now. Uh, but there's, I just find that I found that there's just, I have so many people. Um, I mean, you use the term mentor, but that's because I, I can't think of a better one. Yeah. Uh, but people who are, are just sort of like, like they pull you out of being stuck, right? Just like, hey, let's yep. just talk for a little while. Uh, fortunately, my partner Winona at Roll Call is one of those people who's just like, I don't know, she's just so good at like asking great questions um, and like getting you out of the space where you're stuck in and into a new space where then you can just kind of get back into working on it. Um, and it's easy to find people like that. I mean, it's hard to find people like that, but if you're around people, it's a little bit easier, even if it's just like a, a water cooler conversation, which is something that I really, really miss. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know if that's really answering your question. Um, you know, I wish no, it was something like really I'd, inspirational, like like reading or listening to podcasts yeah. and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's just being around people for me. Yeah, it's interesting too for for me. Uh, some of those those same challenges because uh, you know, right now <laughs> I'm talking to you from my office in Merge and <laughs> uh, love the Merge community. But one of the big changes is. Uh, it's not the drop-in space it used to be, and right, everybody is just basically it's it's basically for folks that have their offices. So I'm in the office, door closed. So not as much energy of just bumping into people and exchanging yeah. ideas as pre-COVID. So 
looking forward to <laughs> to a, a, hopefully a, a healthy post post COVID time soon. Um, but yeah, thinking about that energy, thinking about your journey, thinking about mentors. Uh, one of the things I like to dig in with guests is the notion of advice, and uh, sometimes it is from a mentor that you know maybe when we were kind of a, a punk kid. Somebody said something, but it, it seemed kind of silly. But as we get older, we realize there was some wisdom there. Or from an Austin Cleon, still like an artist perspective, when we're giving advice, we're just talking to our younger self. So either or both, I don't know if you have good advice that you received in your journey or mm. uh, advice that you wish you would have had that you might share with others that are listening. And there's just so much along the way. So it's hard to kind of pinpoint a few, but I, I think... Um, I think, and I, I mentioned this a second ago about like people seeing things in you that you might not see in yourself. Right. <clears throat> so, um, and sometimes it's just a matter of like trusting you to do your job, but sometimes like you need to be shaken a little bit, like, like you can do this, you know? And I had a coach one time, uh, he was my high school football coach. Um, his name is Mark Ehlers. And, um, I, so when I went to college, uh, I thought <laughs> I like, I forgot the college part of college and I did all the other stuff that goes along with going to college. Uh, and my advice would be not, don't do that. Um, but I think, uh, so I, I wound up, uh, leaving my first school, uh, <laughs> not entirely by choice. Um, and I wound up doing a year at a community college and it was, uh, it was in Dubuque and it's a great school and they do amazing things. Uh, they have great programs there. Kirk, it's, it wasn't Kirkwood. It was uh, Northeast Iowa community college. Um, but like I had, I just had no, no goals. I didn't have any drive or right? I like, I didn't know where I wanted to get to. Right. Like I do think it's kind of silly to like, say to a 17 year old kid like okay cool go to school pick a program and then like study that and get into the work like i think that's a little right. silly. uh that's a big top topic um and we are doing some really good things around yeah. that here locally trying to get kids into careers earlier uh, or ideas of careers earlier but i just didn't know what i wanted to do right like everybody in my family except for my dad's a teacher so i was like oh, i'll just be a teacher but what i really want to do is be a coach yeah. right because i love sports and um i coached you know a little bit as a volunteer and um so that made sense. Right. But like, I, then I got into the classroom. I was like, God, I hate this. Kids don't want to be here. Why in the world? I didn't like being sitting in a classroom. So why in the world would I want to spend the rest of my life teaching in classrooms? And so I'm, I'm kind of floundering in, in this community college and my high school football coach, um, who was my coach, hadn't been my coach for a couple of years. Um, he just sat me down and he was like, what are you doing? Like this, because as a kid, you don't really have any perspective, right? Because you just haven't right. experienced anything. And he's like, the decisions you're making now are going to impact you forever. He's like, you need to figure out what you want. And it wasn't so much like the advice he gave, but it was like him caring enough about me, seeing something to me that I didn't see in myself. Um, and just kind of like shaking me like, dude, like, come on, you know, uh, and, you know, that it, 
I don't know if I, I don't think I did any better in school after that, but like, at least I graduated. I got, I got, right. to, I got out of community college, which was great. Got went to Loris, you know, got back on the baseball team and was doing things I cared about. Um, I've just been so, so, so lucky to have people along the way that, um, I've just believed in me and, and given me opportunities to, to fail and like learn that, like I've always kind of hated, like it's a, it, like you have to learn that it's okay to fail. And um, because they were always there to catch me as I was falling, right? Before I actually failed, um, which again, very fortunate for that. Um, so I think surrounding yourself with people who do like care about you and your success, like your boss who said, like, I see more in you than this job and this would be perfect for you. Um, it's just, I don't know, like, that's probably a lot of that is luck, right? Just like lucking out and getting the right people around you. Um, I've, I've just been very blessed in that regard. You know, my, I mean, my parents too, I should, I should give yeah. them credit, but you know, people like Kim and people like Mark Nolte and Kate Moreland and, and Josh Schamberger at the, at, at Think Iowa City, um, and even, you know, getting into positions at the chamber when I was a volunteer as an ambassador, like being the chair of the ambassadors, like that, you know, right. I, I never thought that would be something I would do, but like the other ambassadors thought that I could do that, you know? So things like that, that just, I don't know, appreciating the growth as it was happening, uh, was important for me. Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, thinking about your, uh, your, your teaching story that my, um, my dad was a, uh, a uh, firefighter in in my hometown, but he went he went to college. He was a, a chemistry major, biology minor. Uh, he thought he was going to be a high school science teacher, and he did his student teaching, which is the last thing you do in this program, right? And then he realized that he teaching wasn't for him. And so as I, as I like to tell people, he found, found it psychologically safer to run into burning buildings and then spend his day with high schoolers. I think I probably would too. I mean, <laughs> I have, my mom and my sister and my wife and my best friend and his wife, my brother-in-law, my sister, like everyone around me is teachers, which I have to say it makes holidays miserable because it's all they talk about. Um, but I shouldn't say that. Um, yeah, gosh, it's, I'm lucky I found it out before student teaching. Um, but then I was just an English major. So, right. you know, what in the world do you do with that? So uh, before we wrap up, any other, any other thoughts or topics that you'd, you want to cover? You know, I've gotten the opportunity over the last few months. We just launched Roll Call in September. Right. Um, to talk to people in economic development all over the country. And the one thing that I always thought that was different about us here is is how, how much people love their city. Right. And people love people who live here, love Iowa City. It's a special place. Yeah. Right. Um, but like people who work in the work that we do, right. Like you're doing this Iowa ideas podcast and you know, the work that people for, you know, project together and all the economic developers and, you know, the business partnership and like, 
we don't have the market cornered on civic pride. People love their cities all over the place, right? But what there's a disconnect sometimes, oftentimes, between just like the general population of the city and the city itself, right? Like, I think there's an interesting question about, you know, why do you live where you live, right? I moved to Iowa City because it's where my wife had a job, right? You know? So, you know, I moved to Dubuque because my family moved to Dubuque. And so I think if you can figure out as an economic developer or, you know, a, a, a contributor to your city, like how to have people fall in love with your, with your city day after day after day and actively choose to live where you live. Like, I think that's the code that you can, if you can crack that code, like it's going to be, it's like, it's going to be palpable in your city that people like, they love it. You just, you feel different when you're here. Right. When we get back to normal life after this thing and like, there is no, there are a couple times in Iowa city when you're like, Oh God, this is just the best place in the world. Right. Yeah. Like when the students first come back and there's this like collegiate buzz the football season's about to kick off like it's busy it's it's just like there's just so much energy right like i i just love that time you know i also love the time when they go away for thanksgiving and it's like calm and you can park wherever you want and it's just it's like it's just a it's like it's just very serene right it hasn't gotten too cold yet um but also just like over the like Iowa City's Iowa City summers are like I would never want to be anywhere else in the summer. It's just like there's always like music in the Ped Mall and there's festivals and events and like every city has that, right? Not every like the good cities have that yeah. stuff, right? But you, like if you can just rem, like remind people how awesome it is to live where you live. Or like the idea of coming back to live in a place that you love, which is what we're trying to help people do. Right. Um, like that's it. That's that's the message. There's great jobs everywhere, you know, and we can help you get connected to those jobs. But if you can if you can find the people out there who love what you have to offer and are going to actively choose to be a part of it every day, like to me, that's the code. That's where it flips. Um, and I think we've done a, we've done that here. I think really, really well. We can do a better job. Um, but I saw this video one time. It's sort of goofy, and I, I forget the city, but I learned this in CLP. Actually, the very first day of CLP is like the introductory day. Yeah. Like that's one of my favorite days. I I like I totally love just like hearing Mike Haberkamp on his banjo, and like it's just really fun and, and kind of sweet, right? It's like yeah. a sweet thing. But we watched this video about um a city that had a uh wedding ceremony for their residents to marry the city and i just thought that was like this really funny thing um but like it's just such a cool little like analogy to like choose where you live love where you live you know and like make a difference, choose to live here, make it a better place, you know? Right. And I think when a city, when cities start to see things from that lens, instead of like infrastructure, like that's yep. important stuff too, but it's kind of boring stuff. I mean, it matters a ton. Yeah. Um, but like, I think that's what residents see the, the role of the local people, right? Like get those potholes filled, get my streets plowed. Um, yeah. 
yeah, and how you can transform that. And stuff. But <laughs> transforming that relationship yeah. is so, I, so important. And yeah. yeah, and you, but you see the benefit go both ways when you do have that healthy mm-hmm. relationship. Absolutely. So actively choosing where you live, right? Because I, I think if you ask people why they wound up in Iowa City, I think, I don't think that many people would be like, we chose to be, be here because we loved it here. And I know there were people like that, but, you know, I ended up here and fell in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I did my undergrad here a long time ago. And then about 11 years ago, uh, my wife uh, finished her PhD and she was, uh, her two top job targets were University of Toronto and University of Iowa. And I remember jokingly saying the Hawkeyes don't play in Toronto, uh, <laughs> but that's not why we ended up here. But yeah, no, she, uh, so for me, it was exciting to to get back. So I just love being here. And then, you know, I grew up in what was a failing or failed factory town in the Midwest. And part of it too, for me is I don't want my kids to worry about if they would be able to stay or not. I want them to go wherever their career and their interests uh, take them, but I never want them to feel like they couldn't stay in Iowa city because it wouldn't yeah. have stuff to offer them. Yeah, so right. that's kind of like the difference between me as an undergrad and, and me as a dad now is, yeah. is, but that's where I love programs like CLP. And I love the connections that, you know, a lot of the people that you mentioned, like, you know, Mark and Kate and Kim and all, all of their teams on what they're trying to accomplish here to, to make this a great community because great communities don't happen by accident. Right. No, they don't. And there's so much work that goes into those festivals and events that we all love so much, you know, they don't just happen either. Yep. Um, it, it all goes, you know, the foundation of your podcast, the Iowa idea that I was intentional. Right. You know, right. it was, you know, let's, let's change things and, and be great for this one thing. And look at how much it's grown. I mean, it's such, it's so ingrained in our community here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that would be my my parting thought is like, find a place where you fall in love with living in it every day. That's great. Tim, it is so good to catch up with you. And I, I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast. It was an honor having you Thanks here. Thanks for having me. So yeah, best best of luck too with uh, uh, the new business and uh, look forward to catching up soon. Thanks, Matt.